Well, thanks for joining us today. We're going to take a look today about some uh, fitness apps and some heart rate monitors. We're not going to talk about specific ones. We're going to talk more about generalities as relates to some of the fitness apps that are out there and some of the heart rate monitors, as we don't want to advertise for any specific uh, company or brand, unless one of those companies or brands wish to provide some sponsorship, at which point in time we'll take a look at what the science for that specific company has to say, as we want to make sure that we are giving as uh accurate and as beneficial information as possible. So we were talking the other day with some students and some uh, other people about cardio responses to exercise. And a couple of students brought up a question they had because they were having a conversation coming out of the workout. And they were wondering about the accuracy of the heart rate monitors and if the fitness apps are worth using, whether they should only be using them when they're running or doing cardio, or whether they should be wearing them when they're lifting weights and doing other forms of exercise. And so let's take a look at this in terms of the science that's out there as to which might be best, because there's a lot of fitness apps out there. There's a lot of heart rate monitors out there. And so we have to sit back and we have to take a look at what does the science tell us? Because there's a lot out there and we need to understand a few things. The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard or believed to be true about how the human body works and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy. So let's start by looking at what's meant in terms of the fitness trackers and what they are intending to look at and what they are intending to, to measure. So what are the fitness trackers? They're either going to measure cardiometabolic responses or they're going to measure the distance that are being traveled by the individual. Or we have some applications for some of the smartphones that are out there that are going to go about measuring and recording our workout progress as a means to provide uh, mechanisms for determining our overall amount of physical activity that's taking place. And so the tracker effects are going to take a look at the physiology of what's going on, in which we can take a look at, and what a lot of them are attempting to do is provide, at least for the heart rate monitors, a measuring ability, an ability to, to measure physiological responses that are similar to the ECG readouts that we get within metabolic carts, what we uh, would use in the laboratory setup where we would put electrodes on somebody's chest and put a gas mask on somebody's over somebody's mouth to measure gas exchange within the exercise where the electrodes on the chest would give us the electrical activity coming out from the heart. And what we're attempting to do when we're attempting to look at all of these uh, features, all these phenomenons, within the various aspects of the uh, fitness trackers, at least for the heart monitors, is we're looking at what is going on physiologically within the heart. So we'll start by taking a look at the heart rate monitors in terms of what they're going to measure, and then we'll have some longer comments coming up here. The heart rate monitors are meant to track cardiometabolic effects, and they're going to track cardiometabolic effects by looking at the physiology of what's taking place within the heart based off of the effects of exercise on the heart. And when we look at the effects of exercise on the heart, what we're really looking at is looking at how does the contraction of the heart change based off of physical exertion taking place. And what the trackers are going to do is they're going to actually be measuring the electrical output, the ECG readouts, the same type of readouts that we'd see from the electrodes placed in somebody's heart, somebody's uh, chest, 
in the hospital to measure activity of the heart. In terms of the exercise physiology part of the fitness, what it's doing is it's going to be doing the equivalency of a metabolic heart analysis for the heart rate response, where we'd put electrodes on the person's chest to measure electrical activity coming to the heart and put a uh, gas mask on the person to measure the exchange of gases between the body and the environment, where we're able to determine what the metabolic activity for that person happens to be. The other way that we can look at these heart rate monitors is based off of measuring blood flow rate based off of using a peripheral monitor. And the peripheral monitors are usually found in the watches that we have. And so we have basically have two ways of looking at heart rate responses. We can either look at it based off of straps going across the person's chest that would act as the electrodes for the ECG, or we can have monitors in the periphery, usually around the wrist, or possibly looking at monitors on the person's finger. The wrist and the finger measurements are going to basically be measuring blood flow through the arteries in the area by using a uh, photovoltaic, a camera and light measurement, looking at uh, the ability to receive the light transmission being sent through in an attempt to measure flow rate of blood going through the arteries and by measuring the flow rate, able to determine pulse rate. The other thing that some of these uh, peripheral monitors will also measure is the amount of gases in the blood, sometimes referred to as the pulse oximeter. And the pulse oximeter is gonna measure the percent of oxygen that we find within the blood at any point in time. I'll have a couple uh, comments on these as we get into the longer discussion of the technologies out there. And so we either have the pulse oximeters and the peripheral measures, or we have, like I said, the chest straps that we'll place around the person's chest that will give us the ECG readouts, the electrical activity readouts coming from the heart. Now, both of these are good because they're going to provide feedback, but how good are they? And that's one of the things we have to, we have to look at here, and we'll take a little longer expose on that here in a second. If we look at what the data shows us, we look at what the what the research shows us from one of the uh, current studies out there. Uh, the most recent one that I've been able to find is from, from the early 2020s. It shows a correlation that is the, the likelihood of having a correct response between what the heart rate monitor is giving us and what we get from our ECG. And we're looking at for the very good ones in the high 90s and for the less than good ones in the high 80s in terms of percentages. And that's pretty good. But the problem is, is that with a lot of these, we get uh, a pretty big sway. We get a, a pretty big uh, deviation in heart rate measurements that we would see in terms of uh, plus minus differences between what we get from the ECG and what we get from the heart rate monitor itself. And so if we're using it strictly for feedback mechanisms, that's that's pretty good. But if we're using it to do tracking and looking at how we're improving, that's not necessarily the best thing. And part of that has to deal with what happens physiologically to our cardiovascular system as we do more conditioning, more training. Part of it has to deal with how well the apparatus are working at in terms of picking up the physiological signals of response to exercise that we see within the monitors themselves. 
What we can stipulate from all of the studies that we that we've seen, once again, going from the late 2020s is the most recent study that I have come across as it relates to specifically the heart rate monitors, is that the chest strap versions of the heart rate monitors are better than the watch only monitors. And we'll talk a little about why that is here in a, in a bit when we get to a little bit longer discussion on the use of trackers and the use of devices. And so those are the fitness trackers that are there. But we also have a, a whole host of other trackers that can come about that typically are uh, smart device, smartphone, sometimes smart watch applications that are going to track activity. And they're not going to track activity based off of heart response, but off of GPS motion. GPS movement. So it's going to track your movement that you have for the smartphones. They also sometimes will have a pedometer within the application, within the health applications usually. And what the pedometer is going to do is it's going to measure steps and it's going to take those steps and attempt to equate it to distance traveled based off of standardization of step length relative to your entered body height, if you happen to have measured all of those aspects of your fitness within the application. Now, there's also some other applications out there that are not necessarily meant to track your uh, physiological responses or track your movements, but are set up in such a way by various programmers and various uh, applications that are meant to be more of a gym program a workout program, a workout regimen tracker, as opposed to a fitness tracker. And there are a whole host of those types of applications, a whole host of those types of programs out there. What all of the application trackers do is it increases some of the social networking that we get within the gym culture that increases accountability. And the, the increase in, in accountability is good because it's gonna hold me responsible for my actions. And by holding me responsible for my actions, it's going to make sure that I am going to follow through with what I'm supposed to follow through. And once again, there's a whole host of those various types of gym program trackers that are out there. And once again, I'm not going to sit here and uh, state one is better than the other, but what we wanna make sure that we're doing if we're using any of the gym trackers, the gym program applications is ensure that the programs themselves are set up in such a way so as to be goal oriented, self selected, self monitored, and self motivating in such a way so that the tracker itself, the application itself, does not become a coercive event where you're going to choose to do the gym activity in such a way that it becomes a uh, self-monitored, self-selective pattern of behavior. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to make this tracker, this gym app, something that is used as a means to coerce you into being active, to being uh, physically active or into exercise. If you're going to use these as a coercive mechanism, the likelihood of you actually becoming free from needing the tracker is very low. And the likelihood of you continually use the tracker is very low. So with all of those things in mind, we've seen a lot of advertising about the different types of fitness tracking and fitness applications that can go into smartwatches and or other devices that allow for tracking fitnesses. 
and for tracking exercise. But a question needs to be asked. Do these devices provide accurate and reliable information? Is it worth getting the tracker? Is it worth using the devices? And it's very interesting that with the explosion of technology and technology-based fitness devices, there have not been very many large-scale studies to determine if these are just a general marketing ploy or if we're actually able to have accurate information from the wearable equipment. Are we simply marketing as to have some sort of information providable wearable equipment that's supposed to support our healthy lifestyles? Or is it something that will actually provide me mechanisms to achieve health? These devices have developed the ability to measure or estimate a range of measurements of how our body functions, heart rate, stress levels, pulse ox, metabolic capacities, calorie utilizations, and even some provide feedback on muscle functions. Having access to this information provides an advantage to any athlete or exerciser trying to maximize their performance or to that individual hoping to gain a better understanding of their body. However, we are currently limited in our use of these technologies without having validation for the measurements that we are attempting to track as being accurate and reliable. So what does the evidence show? These devices can provide a means for feedback, as we previously mentioned. But at the same time, it might not be anything more than an expensive piece of jewelry. The difference lies in the way that we are using the devices to dictate the overall value that can be obtained from them. There is evidence to support the use of these devices can help modify behavior more than track improvements in overall health. The stipulations that these devices can help lead to long-term weight loss is very questionable, as the means by which they provide feedback is not necessarily the best means to allow for long-term management. The same devices, when linked with increased social interactions, their internet sites, help to provide a means for accountability and hold us accountable for completing exercise or continuing with the dietary changes. The social interactions and actions related to the sociability of exercise and dietary changes are things that we know work to improve overall continuance in lifestyle intervention programs if the program is developed in such a way so as to be self-selected, self-monitored, and self-maintained. The evidence does show benefit when using these technologies by providing and or developing guides for meeting total activity goals or in developing quote-unquote healthy options, whether those healthy options are increasing in physical activity or in the possible food choices that I make. And this is where we have to remember, there's no such thing as good food and bad food. There are only good choices and bad choices. The reliability and validity of these trackers and many of the options and activities that are suggested may limit what the trackers and what the devices provide to the individual. 
and may become problematic for the individual if they are not already fit. As the pre-programmed devices fail to understand that activity and exercise feels quite different for those who live a sedentary lifestyle or for those who are experiencing overfatness relative to those who are already physically active or of normal fat. If we look at the reliability metrics that we have in the research, we see a little bit more. Based on the systematic reviews that we have, there is some evidence to indicate that wearable devices and smartphone applications show a general level of good reliability for valid measures up to a moderate level of physical activity. But there's a problem. First, most people do not engage in the level of activity where the devices have been shown to be most reliable, meaning the devices and the software programs are not providing correct feedback to most individuals, either allowing for an underestimation or an overestimation, an underestimation or overestimation of energy expenditure, cardiometabolic responses, distance traveled, or for those who wish to track steps, the total number of steps taken. The underestimation is especially seen for those who use weightlifting or engaging in intense short duration endurance activities. The overestimation is especially seen for those who use very light intensity exercise, particularly long-duration, low-intensity exercise, such as walking or jogging, which may be important if you're looking to use these measures as goal markers. Once again, remember, we're setting up the exercise programs in such a way so as to be periodized, and the periodization will allow us to meet specific goals based off, off of specific times, but may come at a cost as not knowing the accurate responses can limit my understanding. My understanding about what is the metabolic cost of the activity? What is the total distance that I traveled? What is the cardiometabolic response that I have for that activity? The inability to have accurate responses limits our understanding of our overall level of activity that could interfere with establishing the proper global responses, the proper responses seen throughout the body necessary to eventually change body morphology and or overall health. These inaccuracies and low reliability can provide incorrect and inappropriate feedback. The incorrect and inappropriate feedback will limit my long-term modifications of behavior may minimize my self-selection towards specific behaviors, the inability to get the correct modification of behavior would not allow for the desired changes to be met. Whether those changes are in body composition and weight loss or in changes in overall level of physical activity and health. However, what we have to remember is even if feedback is not entirely accurate, Having any feedback from any of the devices may allow us to prevent a relapsing and rebounding effect of yo-yoing 
as we are getting feedback to what our behaviors happen to be. The relapsing and rebounding effects to yo-yoing is found more often in those who attempt to do health changes and weight loss changes independent of social interactions. Meaning that even though we're not getting or may not be getting very accurate feedback from these devices, the use of the devices and the use of the social network coming from the devices can prevent the yo-yoing that tends to accompany many of the long-term attempts at weight loss and improvements in health. Now, we have to have a small little deviation here in terms of some discussions. And it may be off-putting for some of you to hear this, but there is some differences in skin tonality based off of a protein pigment within the skin that will have an effect on the ability for some of our monitors to provide accurate and reliable information. The melanin pigment that we see in darker toned skin interferes with the ability for the peripheral monitors, the watch monitors, and the pulse oximeters to correctly function. The use of light as an optical method for measuring changes in blood volume under the skin, which is how these monitors work, can have issues arise due to individuals' skin pigmentation, where darker skin tones automatically will absorb more light than lighter skin tones that will disrupt the ability to get accurate measurements from the optical method of measuring. Beyond the skin pigment issue, the use of the heart rate trackers, particularly if we're gonna be using the extremities and measuring of flow through the extremities, can be slightly inaccurate due to what's referred to as artifact. That is the movement of the extremity, the movement of the arms, leads to variability within flow through the vasculature of the arms. And when this variability of flow comes in, we can have irregular readings from the devices, which is why the chest strap, if we're looking at utilizing heart rates, as a measurement for fitness and for tracking fitness is more reliable than using the watch devices. That artifact can allow for an overestimation of cardiometabolic responses to the exercise. The placement of the device can lead to signal crossover with other devices that you might have on. So if I'm using my watch to measure my heart rate, but it's also my smartwatch, which is communicating with other devices that I have on my body, such as earbuds for listening to music or some sort of uh, music player. The crosstalk that can come about can lead to issues in terms of the device's reliability in terms of its ability to measure correctly. If I'm using a smartphone application for measuring uh, steps. The placement that I have for the device will impact the ability to accurately measure steps. If I do not include my limb length, how long are my legs? How long is the, the lower extremity from the hip to the foot? And what is my step, both walking as well as jogging and running? I may not get accurate measures. There are also issues that can arise due to morphology. 
in particular, the diameter of the wrist and the ability to put the sensor in the correct location relative to the arteries that would be available for measuring blood flow through the area. If we look at specifically the monitors that are attempting to use movement to determine energy expenditure, we have other issues that come, come about. One is the method by which we're going to measure the movement, whether it is an accelerometer that's going to measure the acceleration that's taking place, whether it's a GPS monitor measuring what is movement taking place, whether there's a delay in recording that does not provide for accurate measurements in the total amount of movement taking place in the day. We already talked a little about the pedometer and making sure that it's correctly placed. If I don't have the pedometer at a spot that's going to measure limb swing, that is the movement of the limb through space during the motion, I may not get the correct cadence count, the correct step count within the exercise that's going on. If I'm using the GPS function on the smart devices for tracking movement, the accuracy of the GPS receiver is going to impact the accuracy of the distance that is tracking me in terms of movement. If I'm using an ergometer as opposed to doing exercise out in the environment. So ergometers would be things like uh, stationary bikes, the rowing machine, the stair steppers, the Versa climbers, the treadmills. The accuracy of motion will be off. If I'm doing some sort of high intensity, low duration activity, doing things like uh, jump rope or doing uh, some of the, the burpee style exercise, I'm not going to get accurate measures for movement. Where I place the smart device will also impact the ability to have correct movement recordings. If I'm using a an arm strap as opposed to putting it into a hip pocket. Those types of locations can impact how accurate the measurement I'm going to get from that device. While we can use the wearable devices, these are not the only devices that are out there. We have evidence that shows that using computer and smart device applications to provide reliable and valid means to monitor things like eating behaviors is important as well. We also have computer and smart device applications that will provide workout regimens for the individual and workout suggestions for the individual. What the computer and smart device applications provide for is a means for logging your activities and a means for logging your food consumptions. Most of the smart devices and most of the computer device applications will allow me to monitor eating behaviors most often based off of caloric balances, which we most uh, recently found out to be not the most accurate means by which to determine whether or not I'm going to have a healthy dietary intake to meet my health and weight goals. If you can find and if you can use applications that do not monitor food intake based off of calories, but instead off of nutrients, you'll have a more reliable means by which to track your overall food consumptions for both weight loss as well as for improvements in health, regardless of whether you're going to use it to track calories or track nutrient loads. The application and computer devices allow you to monitor eating behaviors and monitor gym behaviors so that you're able to teach yourself how to correctly eat 
and how to correctly pace your workout programs. One of the most important things that you have to remember when it comes to the workout programs is that the program needs to instill a sense of periodization within the workout program. Periodization is going to allow me to train in the optimal eight to 12 week range for a specific fitness goal with a secondary goal possibly being changes in body morphology or in weight loss. What we have to remember is that even if our goal in the long term is to lose weight, all of the goals within the training regimen should not be focused on the scale as the scale can provide a negative reinforcer for long-term behavior modification. When we're using the application devices and we're using the computer devices to allow us to track what we're eating and what we're doing in terms of physical activity, it's important to remember that there is no one specific diet to follow that will allow me to be healthy or will impart some sort of miracle weight loss. If you're using applications or programs that are not providing that, you may wish to look at secondary methods by which you can track. What these devices and what these programs should allow for is for you to see the things that you're eating based off of serving size, amount eaten, and the relative difference between the two. When you're eating in terms of meal timing, so you can better understand how much you are eating and how often you are eating so you're better able to make changes in your eating habits. The fitness trackers and the gym program applications should provide feedback as to what is your cardiometabolic responses, what is your general level of intensity, what is your progress to date within the periodization of a program, so do you understand what changes have occurred, what changes still need to occur so as to meet your training and fitness goals? These factors are very important in developing the behavior changes necessary for any long-term weight loss programs or long-term modifications to correct any sort of overfatness that might impact your overall health. For those that have or histories of yo-yoing, these devices provide the feedback that helps minimize the yo-yoing that has taken place. So what can we say about these devices and these applications? The best that we can say is that these devices and these applications provide feedback with our workout. There is some evidence, but the evidence is not entirely uh, 100% across the board. Once again, science is nothing is 100% across the board. But beyond the feedback, the evidence that we have is questionable as to how accurate and reliable some of the measuring devices happen to be as relates to changes that we can track in terms of comparisons. It does help with reducing the yo-yoing effect that can take place, but the accuracy and the reliability of the measurements, we're not 100% certain on. And that's mainly because we have not done very many large-scale studies. It's difficult to say that you can trigger overall changes in behavior that is not coming from self-selected behavior strictly by using these devices. If you're using the devices out of a coercive setup, the use of the device will become the coercion, and you will only do it 
out of fear of not meeting some sort of set standard established by the device. If you're getting alerts that say you have to do this, you have to do that from the devices, the device itself becomes the coercive or the coercer within the exercise and within the changes in overall health behaviors. If you're using the device simply as a means for tracking what you're doing, the devices seem to be legitimate. While the companies report the ability to provide accurate information to their users from their devices or their downloadable applications, the activity does not actually indicate whether or not the devices are reliable and accurate. Your activity may not allow for accuracy and reliability from these devices. When we look at the evidence that's available within the medical and within the physiological research, we are obligated to answer the question that we post. How reliable, how accurate are these devices? Are they worth the money? And with every other physiological question that we have, it's the same. Yes, maybe no. There's a lot of unanswered questions out there, mainly because we're trying to use one thing to measure a highly complex set of responses. And so when we look at all of the evidence out there, Yes, they work. Do they work to the extent that all of the advertisements want us to think they do? Probably not. But that doesn't mean that they're not worth the investment. They're not worth the investment if you're using it strictly as a means for tracking your changes on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, within your periodized exercise regimen, to meet your overall training goals. They're worth it if you're using it to have social interactions as it relates to changes that you have within your own behavioral, within your own behaviors as it relates to your overall health. As we know, increased sociability within the behavior modifications, increase the likelihood for success, particularly if we can get the changes to be self-selected, self-monitored, self-motivated in terms of the behaviors. So use the fitness trackers. However, don't rely on the fitness trackers. Use the gym applications. Don't rely on the gym applications. Use the diet trackers. Don't rely on the diet trackers. The reliance on the devices will lead to a lack of self-monitoring and self-motivating behaviors. If we can get self-monitored, self-motivated behaviors, the likelihood of yo-yoing goes down and improvements go up. Well, thanks for joining us today. Hopefully you got something out from the discussion here on the fitness trackers and monitors and applications. If you have specific ones that you would like to know more about, please drop it into the comments. And we would be more than happy to take a deeper dive into specific ones out there. Once again, the idea here was to not pick on specific trackers and specific devices that are out there, but give more of a general overtone to what we happen to see. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share if you enjoy the stuff that we are doing.